again, everybody. Kevin Hissong here with Rain Over Money. Welcome to episode 14, a recipe called retirement. And we're going to jump right into it because uh, there's a lot you can get into with retirement planning. And as I mentioned in the previous episode 13, talking about financial planning, uh, financial planning is the holistic view. Retirement planning is more specific. That is for you, uh, you and your, your spouse or your mate, uh, in terms of how you're going to save money, plan for retirement, when you're going to retire, how you're going to retire, and enjoy, uh, hopefully, those those savings you've created through all those years, and, and, and kind of how you you turn turn the uh, the spigot on and, and create the income in retirement. So we're going to get into just a a general version that we're going to spend a lot of time on different episodes about specifics about this, and there's a reason that I call this a recipe for retirement planning, because I want you to think of retirement as the recipe, okay? You're gonna make a dish called retirement planning. And with the, when, you, when you're doing a recipe, uh, you start with the name of the recipe, you search it. Uh, if you're like me, you go into the recipe and you have to go through about 42 paragraphs about how the recipe was created and it came down from grandma and everything else. And then you finally get to the ingredients at the bottom. Uh, as you scroll all the way down. I know that drives me mad. But anyways, um, the, the dish is called uh, retirement and there's a lot of ingredients that go into it and a lot of things can serve different purposes. And the cool thing about retirement is you can put in a lot of different ingredients to substitute one way or another. And the reason I say that, um, as I've said before, I spent uh, 25 plus years in the financial services industry. I spent a lot of that time working with investment advisors, um, specifically uh, talking about utilizing investment insurance vehicles called annuities. And annuities uh, have a, uh, for, for some people, they have a very good connotation. And for some people, uh, they bring up a lot of anger in the, uh, in the insurance and investment world because of high costs and some other things that go along with it, low liquidity, things like that. Um, I didn't focus on that side so much. I, I focused on uh, what we would call next generation annuities that were much more low cost. And, and the reason I bring that up is because annuities play a, a ingredient. They are something you can utilize in retirement uh, for a piece of uh, generating income in retirement because that's what annuities were designed for. If you ever learned about annuities uh, in retirement or if you ever learned about annuities, I'm sorry, in school, it's all about a stream of income from an annuity. Think of uh, you know, winning the lottery or even social security is really a giant annuity pay into it and then it creates a stream of income but i don't want i'm not focusing on annuities i just want to say that that's where i lived most of my life so i spent a lot of time talking about retirement and creating income in retirement so we are going to spend episodes specifically talking about creating the income in retirement but first we got to get there we got to get enough money in there and get some um I guess get some terms and some some numbers out of the way so that we can all be on the same page as we move forward with this. So starting with retirement planning, the 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 recipe is you put money away, whether it's in a, a 401k, you know, hopefully you're you're lucky enough to have a 401k or a 403b if you're a teacher. Uh, maybe you're getting some match from your company, so you're getting some free money thrown in there, and that money's gonna grow tax deferred. Um, for many, many years as you continue to put that money in and the market, um, if you're in, depending on what you're invested in, probably mostly, you know, the stock market, some stocks some bonds, 
uh, different allocation mixes, what have you. And that's going to grow over many years. You're going to let the market do its thing as it has done for many, many, many years. Um, still one of the best ways, if not the best way to, to generate wealth over the long term that there is in the stock market. And at some point, you're going to say, I've had enough of work. I'm ready to retire. Um, you may time that at the same time you start taking Social Security. You may delay Social Security, uh, what have you. We're going to talk about that as well. But again, you put money in, it grows over time. And then at some point, you're ready to start living off that income and no longer getting income from a job. So what that means is uh, you've got to have enough money put away so that it will last you through retirement. A couple problems with that. You don't know how long you're going to live. <laughs> uh, fortunately or unfortunately for that, I, I've always wondered that if you knew your, your death date, would you would you want to know it? Uh, for retirement planning, it would it would definitely help a lot. But but we don't know that. We hope we all live fruitful, very long lives, very healthy lives, and so on and so forth, very active lives. Um, so yeah, we've got to figure out what is enough money to retire with in in retirement, and. You know, I don't know what it was, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I think it was ING was the uh, the insurance company that came out with the uh, marketing campaign of what's your number. I think that was ING. Uh, but anyways, it, it's very good because it, it's pretty much saying what's your number? How much do you need to have in all your accounts to be comfortable to start taking withdrawals over your retirement? and not outlive your income. And that's what, uh, if you're working with a financial advisor, uh, you will focus on finding that number. A lot of people may call it different things, but, but finding that number. Um, I mentioned in episode 13 about this flexible retirement planner that I utilize. And again, I will get into details of that, but I'm just kind of looking at it on a different screen right now uh, because it's got some numbers and some inputs that we're gonna talk about that become very handy when trying to figure this out. And what that retirement planning uh, software does is it spits out estimated numbers that your um, investments and retirement accounts are going to grow to at certain ages. So a couple things, you know, you, you kind of start like, like with any problem, I like to start with working your way backwards, um, thinking about your retirement. And then again, dream a little bit. What do you want your retirement to look like? Um, for most people, they would say if they had their druthers, uh, they want to travel, they want to spend time with family, um, you know, be in warm locations, whatever it may be. And you know, most people are going to retire somewhere between nowadays, I mean, looking forward, probably 65 and 70 seems to be the going retirement age. Um, so you've got to think about that at 65 or 70. Uh, hopefully you have your health and everything and you're able to do all those things you want to do. Uh, but, but it is normal for people as we age to do less and less of that as we get older. Um, I think I've mentioned before, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to have my mom still around at, at 82, uh, 83 years old. And, um, you know, it's been interesting to see her in retirement in different things. She she did a lot more travel in her 60s and 70s. And now she really just enjoys being being around home and visiting with us and things like that. Um, so in terms of her retirement, she spent a lot more in her 60s and 70s. In her 80s, she she barely spends her, uh, her social security check. So 
you know, a lot of things factor, factor into that. As I mentioned with her, she does, she does not have home debt. So if you're, you know, if your goal is to have your home paid off and you don't have to worry about that debt, uh, that can really reduce what you need each year in retirement. Another thing you have to factor in uh, that I mentioned in episode 13 a little bit are your wants and needs. You know, what are definitely the things you're going to need in retirement? Obviously, you're going to need shelter, you're going to need food, um, you're going to need to pay your utilities. I mean, there are definitely fixed costs you're going to have. And then you can start to incorporate some wants in there as well. Maybe it is traveling. Maybe it's, uh, you know, joining the country club and playing golf. Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, depending on the age of your kids, still helping your kids through school. Um, if you have grandkids at that age, you know, starting a, a college fund for them or, or whatever, or maybe it's just thinking philanth uh, about, in terms of philanthropy, um, wanting to leave behind a chunk of money, if you're charitably inclined, uh, wanting to leave a, behind a chunk of money to, uh, to certain beneficiaries. So those are all things that go into the puzzle, whether you're working with a financial advisor, those are questions that will come up from time to time and things you should think about. Um, but you can also look at that stuff on your own. And if you're, uh, whether it's the flexible retirement planner that I've mentioned, or there's, there's a lot of other things, whether it's your 401k website that you have, or your 403b website or whatever it is, or maybe your brokerage account online, where you can go out and plug in numbers and start to get an idea of what maybe you need to acquire in retirement in terms of assets. Um, so uh, just know all that's out there. And there's a lot of different ingredients that go into that retirement recipe. We just mentioned wants and needs, uh, age of retirement, how much you're saving right now, your salary, and is that going to increase over time? Uh, different vehicles you're going to use in retirement. Are you going to use something, like I said, like an annuity that can guarantee you an income stream? Or are you going to just re rely on, um, you know, a, a well-known withdrawal method that a lot of people do in retirement? Probably the most popular withdrawal method that people do in retirement is called the 4% rule. And if I'm not going to go in full detail in this episode, but I will bring it up here um, for simplicity terms. It, it really is, is a pretty simple plan. Um, the, the question has just become over time is, is the, is 4% the right number? Uh, well, well, many years ago, a gentleman came up with this and said, yes, 4% is the number. So whatever amount of money you have when you retire, let's say a million dollars. If you withdraw 4% of that money per year and then factor in inflation each year and increase your 4% withdrawal by that inflation number each year, you should be able to live off of that money for the rest of your life based on historical market returns, you know, roughly a moderate investment allocation, some stocks, some bonds, what have you. So let, let's think about that for a second using the 4% rule. Um, You've got a million dollars, you retire at age 65, uh, you're going to withdraw $40,000 a year from those accounts. Now, where it starts to get, you know, again, we're, we're talking about that's the recipe. The ingredients that add into that is where are you going to pull that money from? Because that 4% is, is the gross number, okay? And what I mean by gross is, um, the number before taxes are withdrawn. So if you're taking out $40,000 and that's all coming out of a 401k or an IRA that you have not paid taxes on that money yet, 
you're going to probably owe some taxes on that withdrawal. So your 40,000 you're withdrawing, you're actually going to live on less than that. That's why I've always thought it was important, and we've talked about this before, to have kind of the, the three-legged stool when it comes to, to retirement. Um, to have your, your, your tax deferred account that you're starting out with, uh, your 401k, your 403b, where you're putting money in, you're not paying taxes on that money, you'll pay taxes when you start withdrawing that money. Um, a lot of you now have access to the, the second leg of that, which is tax-free, uh, where you can do a, a, a Roth 401k, uh, where taxes are paid just on the money, you're paying taxes on the money you put in, but any of the growth, anything that grows to over time, you are not paying taxes on, which is fantastic. So that money's gonna come out tax-free. Um, so whether it's a Roth 401k or you've created, started your own Roth IRA, that's kind of option two. And then option three is your taxable account, your brokerage account, uh, where after tax money goes, you know, after you've uh, gone through your budget, you've got some money left over each month, maybe you're putting it into a brokerage account, you're buying a, you know, an S&P 500 ETF, or um, a mutual fund or some stocks or what have you, that's that, that brokerage account. So all three legs play an important role because you've got to determine how you get that, that 401 or that $40,000 a year that we're using in the example. So let's say in that example that we used with a million dollars, that entire million dollars was in a Roth. The great thing about that would be that full 40,000 you, you would draw that first year retirement you're not paying taxes on any of that money. So you can withdraw that full 40,000 and use that full $40,000. Now, if it's an IRA that's not a Roth, you withdraw that full $40,000, you will owe some taxes on, on that, that, uh, that money as income uh, because that money has not been taxed yet. And then thinking about the third leg of the stool, the, the, the taxable account, uh, you've paid taxes on anything you've invested, which is called the cost basis of those accounts. Uh, anything over the cost basis is gains, you would pay taxes on the gains. Uh, now, gains can be treated a few different ways. If you have to sell your investments, uh, those gains are taxed either long-term or short-term gains. Long-term gains have their own uh, tax rates, which are much lower for most people than their, uh, their income rate. Uh, if it's short-term gains, those are taxed at your current income rate. So that's going to be dependent on how much money you're making at the time. Uh, again, we're starting to get in the weeds a little bit here, but you can see how episodes from the past I've talked about with uh, understanding taxes and how taxes work and understanding tax brackets and things like that, how it all really starts to play in because you've got to know what tax bracket you're in and how that can affect how much you're taking each year. But just, uh, just for simplicity's sake, uh, you know, you, you take that $40,000 out and you live off that money the first year, your second year comes along and you um, then want to uh, take your next $40,000. Well, as I said, with the 4% rule, it, the, you do factor in inflation. So you look at the inflation number for the year, uh, let's say it was uh, 2%. So instead of taking $40,000, you're going to take $40,000 plus 2%. Um, so we're talking what, an extra $80? Would that be right? Um, yeah, so you're taking an extra $80. So the second year, you're taking $4,080. Gosh, I think I'm, I hope I'm calculating that right. I'm just doing this on the fly here uh, because 10% would be, uh, no, 10% would be 4,000. So four, sorry, no, I'm sorry, it's $800. Gosh, shame on me. But anyways, $800 uh, would be added to that 40,000 you're taking in the second year. So your second year withdrawals would be 
$800. And then your third year, uh, let's say inflation was 5%. So that $40,800 would now become $40,800 plus another 5%. So you can kind of see how that works because what you're doing is you're keeping up with inflation, inflation, you're also only withdrawing up to 4% of your account value. And over time, your assets should continue to keep growing uh, because we don't, in retirement, we don't decide to retire and then sell everything into cash and just sit there and let it wait. You've got to keep some of your money uh, invested for the long term, some of your money invested uh, moderately aggressive, I'd say, some of your money invested conservatively, and so on and so forth. That's why you have a mix of stocks and bonds for the most part. Maybe throw in some real estate investments, some other things as well uh, to keep that mix. And that mix will get more and more conservative over time as you get older, but you still need to keep that money growing. Uh, and, the, and the great thing about taking the withdrawals is you can take, it's very flexible with, if, with, with the company, whoever holds your IRA, whoever holds your uh, retirement accounts or your taxable accounts, you know, you can take those as systematic withdrawals monthly, you can take them quarterly, heck, you can probably even take them weekly if you want. Um, so that's the one side. Now, the other side of it is, is Social Security. So when you retire, you know, if it's age 62, 65, 67, I think, you know, for, for my age range, 67 is the max age. If you retire anywhere younger than 67, you're going to get a little bit less than your full retirement amount. Um, but you start taking Social Security as well, and now you've got some additional income coming in. And, and that should be part of the stool. You know, the, the three-legged stool for a lot of people in retirement many generations ago was your own savings, Social Security, and a pension. Well, many of us don't have a pension anymore. So we've got to rely on Social Security and our own savings. The only difference is we've got to rely on a lot more savings because we don't have a pension and maybe even a little bit less in Social Security. There's a lot of talk about Social Security. Is it going to be around? Yes, it's going to be around. It's not going to go away. But, um, you know, you, you could see potentially in the future some reductions to how much you get or you could see the retirement age even pushed out a little bit further so that those are factors that are all going to get into play. So again, we haven't gotten to much here and I've already gone, you know, almost all my time. As you can see how uh, there's a lot of pieces that go into it. And we've just talked about a few of the ingredients, you know, what you're saving, social security. Um, we haven't even talked about the different tools you can use. I mentioned, you know, exchange traded funds and, and, and potentially stocks. I mean, you can use dividend paying stocks to create more income in retirement. These are all things we'll get into as well. Uh, but we've really just talked about a couple of the inputs to get put in to get to your number. So from a high level standpoint, that's all we want to talk about right now. And I'm going to wrap it up by just briefly going through all the inputs and, and giving you an idea of what it looks like. And then we'll break down into the details uh, and, and walk through how I utilize the, the retirement planner just to give you an idea. But so let, let's talk about our inputs again. We've got our current age. We've got roughly an age we want to retire. If you're just starting to figure this stuff out, just pick an age. Uh, just start because this is a this is a constant uh, moving levers around just to get an idea of things, see how they look. Um, you got your current age. Let's say you're going to retire at 65. You usually have to put in a life expectancy. Expectancy. Hey, based on your family history, you can at least throw out an idea for that. We'll say 90. A lot of people say 90 for retirement. Uh, you can factor in inflation. You should factor in inflation somewhere around 2% each year. Uh, what that's going to do is that's going to mean, you know, the cost of goods and services now are going to increase over time. So you're going to need more money in retirement to pay for the same things that you currently buy now. That's just the way it is. I doubt we're going to get 
a couple decades of negative inflation. Um, you're going to throw in your tax rate. You know, you know, you could put in 15, 20% for retirement. I think it's a pretty fair estimate just to throw that in. You're going to put in your, your current values of your IRAs, your 401ks. Again, all that. We're not just focusing on one account. We want to look at all your retirement savings and any additional taxable brokerage accounts you may have. Anything that's going to go towards helping you uh, accumulate towards retirement. Anything you're going to draw down in terms of withdrawals and retirement as well. Going to put in your current savings, um, you know, what that's going into taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts, taxable accounts. And then you're going to, going to pick a annual um, retirement income amount. And that can be very tough. But kind of the, the rule of thumb is 80% of your um, last year of earnings. So whatever you think you're roughly going to be earning living off 80% of that your first year. So let's say it's $100,000 uh, the year before you retire, putting in $80,000 to start your annual retirement income seems to be a fair number. So stick that number in. And what it will do, a lot of these things will do is you'll run some calculations. It'll be doing some things behind the scenes. And what it's doing behind the scenes is another term that's you'll hear from time to time called Monte Carlo simulations. Monte Carlo simulations, are just throwing a random bunch of market returns into the calculation. And usually a lot of these systems are running thousands or multiple thousands of calculations to come up with a worst case scenario, a best case scenario, and a median case scenario. And usually you're gonna go by what roughly that median case scenario. What that median case scenario is gonna spit out and say is, based on this information you put in, you've got a, <coughs> excuse me, you've got a, 85% chance of success uh, in retirement based on the numbers you put in. 85% is pretty good. Um, you know, in, in high school, uh, you know, 100 or 90 was an A and 80 was a, I don't know, depending on where you went, a B or C and 70 was, you know, not that good. But, you know, a lot of people run these numbers and 70 to 75% is a pretty comfortable number. I don't like that myself. I want to be in the 90s. <laughs> I want out of thousands of runs to be done to know that 90% of the time, uh, I'm going to be good to go with, with my numbers. So uh, what I would do, you know, mess around with the numbers. What you can do is you can change your retirement age. If, if your numbers aren't coming out good yet, um, up your retirement age a few years or increase how much you're saving or maybe, you know, if you want to decrease your life expectancy a little bit, maybe you've got yourself living too long. Uh, those are just some things to put in there, but it will show you based on starting to move around with those levers, you should see your confidence level go up or down. So you can see, um, you know, how you get to your number. And, and over time, after doing this enough, either again, through your financial advisor, or if you're doing it yourself, um, you'll start to kind of zero in on where you see a number showing up. You may see a lot of times your number being around 1.2 million or 850,000, or depending on how lavish you want to, you know, do things, 2.5 million, whatever it may be. But you'll start to see your number, and once you have an idea of that number, now you've got something to really work towards. And and believe me, it's it's fun, I think, to know your number. It can be a little scary if you're behind a little bit, but at least by knowing, uh, you've got a goal to shoot for. And there's things you can do over time to help you get to that goal. Maybe you need to invest a little more 
um, aggressively. Maybe you need a little bit more exposure to the stock market, a little less exposure to bonds and, and cash alternatives. But all those things factor into it, and we'll get into the details more and more with each of those. I, I could spend, and I probably will spend, an episode just on each of those inputs, just so everyone can have a better idea. Because the more you know, the more you learn about it, uh, the better off you can be. So if you're playing, playing around with stuff like that, playing around with the planner, uh, don't get, um, you know, don't get discouraged, don't get disheartened that uh, your number is something you feel like you're never going to reach or you're going to have to work to your 80 years old and re enjoy retirement for 10 years. We will all get there. We'll get there. Uh, I'll teach you what I've learned. There's some vehicles and some investment vehicles and different tools that can help you out to maybe guarantee some income in retirement, things like that. Um, a lot of different ways you can do it. So I hope that was a great uh, kind of precursor to, to diving into the details of retirement planning. Um, again, if you have any questions, concerns, anything you heard on this, feel free to reach out to Rain Over Money. Contact at rainovermoney.com. Visit the website. I'll have some additional tools. The links to the, uh, the retirement planner is going to be out there, uh, along with some additional tools and ideas uh, as well from other uh, sources out there on the web that I think are, are good resources for kind of, uh, initially looking at retirement planning. Uh, but please give us a like, give us a follow, uh, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, however you do it, uh, where you find your favorite podcast. And that will do it for episode 14. We'll be back uh, shortly with episode 15. But in the meantime, thanks so much for taking time to join me today. Again, Kevin, his song, Rain Over Money. And have a great day, everybody. We'll see you.